This is week number four, Faith During Troubled Times. We're in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. How are you doing today? So that's where we're going to be once again. Habakkuk chapter 2, last Sunday, we saw how the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, used Habakkuk 2.4 to build the key foundational verse in the book of Romans often considered the most important doctrinal book in all of the Bible. And here's the portion of Romans 1, verse 17, that so challenged Martin Luther. The just shall live by faith. That was the portion from Habakkuk that the Lord brought to Paul. And then Martin Luther, in the year 1517, had his world rocked by that little phrase, the just shall live by faith. It woke him up from being involved in the do system. You remember that last Sunday? Up to that point, Martin Luther was attempting to earn his salvation. He was attempting to work for his righteousness. And the more he studied, the more the just shall live by faith, Suddenly he realized it's by faith alone in the finished work of Christ alone that we're declared righteous, not guilty, innocent of all charges. It's through faith alone in Christ alone that we receive salvation. Faith alone in the work of Christ alone is what brings us entrance into heaven or eternal life. So Luther went from the do system, be good, Be moral, uh, take the sacraments, get baptized, trust the man-made system, and that will gain you entrance into heaven. He left that do system, and he embraced the done system because of this verse. The just, those who are declared righteous and innocent of all charges, that comes through faith in the finished work of Jesus that brings eternal life an entrance into heaven. So, so literally, it's like the light bulb went on in Martin Luther's head, and suddenly Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 came alive. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, trusting what Jesus has already done. It's not from yourselves. It's not the due system. It's a gift of God. It's not by Works. Say it with me, not by works. So nobody can boast, well, I earned my way into heaven. No, you didn't. If, if you're ever going to be face-to-face with Jesus, it's not by works. Due system doesn't gain you entrance to eternal life. It's only the done system. Today, we're going to examine God's answer to Habakkuk. If you recall, uh, Habakkuk wasn't happy with the Lord When the Lord revealed his answer to his cry, uh, the Lord said, I'm going to use Babylon, yes, wicked, evil, murderous, awful Babylon, to be my tool of judgment to come and judge my chosen people. And Habakkuk is saying, those are my people. You're going to judge my friends and my family, the southern kingdom, Judah. Lord, really? And he's angry and he's confused with the Lord. He's ticked. And what I like about Habakkuk, and this shows us very clear, it's okay 
when you don't understand, when you're confused, even when you get it and you don't like it, it's okay to go to the Lord with your displeasure. It's actually the place we're supposed to run to when when we don't like it. Go to the Lord and and take your complaint to Him. Today, we're going to attempt to answer this question. What do you do when God answers your prayers and you don't like His answer? (laughs) The Lord reveals His plan to you. Well, what are you supposed to do then? Locate Habakkuk chapter 2 on your phone if you haven't already or in your Bible, and please stand with me if you're able. What do we do when God answers your cry, your prayers to Him, and you're pretty sure His answer is awful? What do we do then? We're going to read quite a bit of Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. You up to it? Can you read with me? Let's declare God's word out loud together. Here we go. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'll look to what, what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not right. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you'll become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, so the waters cover the sea. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want you to know We're grateful for your book, your inspired love letters to your children. And we just acknowledge right now, your word is quick and powerful and active and alive. And Lord, when we adjust our lives to get in alignment with your book, your blessing follows. So Lord, would you help us 
to see exactly what your book has to say to us today. And Lord, would you give us the courage and the faith and the strength to actually align our lives up with your word? So show us today clearly what it is you have in mind. And I want to pray especially for those who are in a situation they don't understand. Lord, I suspect some of my friends right now standing in your church are a lot like Habakkuk. Things are happening, and we're not happy about it. Things are going on, and we don't understand why. And we've prayed, and we've cried out to you, Lord. And what we're seeing, we don't like. So, Lord, show us what to do when we're in that situation. Would you please speak? We're listening. And would you help Jeff to get out of the way today, Lord? Because the last thing we need to do is hear from these goofy lips. Lord, we need to hear from you. So we invite your Holy Spirit and your word to come. And Lord, you come and impact us today in your church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. Our circumstances, our families, our lives, the situations we face are often not very neat and clean and tidy. Have you noticed? <laughs> what, we're, what we're facing in our everyday lives, it's not as neat and tidy and altogether clear and clean as we would like it to be. It's almost always true. Our world gets turned upside down by adultery or divorce. Maybe it wasn't your divorce, but maybe it was in your family. And suddenly things are, are all messed up. Maybe we thought we were going to have this perfect family. And suddenly now, for some reason, you're not able to have babies. Or maybe you're having babies, but they just can't hang in there. And miscarriage after miscarriage is what's going on. And you're saying, Lord, really? What's going on here? We have this stubborn, entangling, besetting sin... I call it a fatal flaw. And by the way, every one of us, I believe, has a fatal flaw or two or three that if we don't get it under control in the power of Jesus Christ, it has the potential to destroy us. Did you get that? Every one of us has one or more of those. And if we, in the power of Christ, don't get that under his control, it has the ability to threaten to destroy our families and our lives and our reputation. Things like pornography, things like alcohol, things like drugs. We could just, things like I'm spending way more than I'm actually making. Things that we, we think, well, I just can't get it under control. I agree. And if we don't get it under the control and the power, that besetting, entangling, fatal flaw, it can destroy us. We've got a prodigal in our family who's wandered far away from Jesus, and they've been gone for a long time. And it seems like they've just taken up camp. They're far away land. They're far away from Jesus and far away from God's word and far away from the church, and they really don't seem interested in coming back. 
They're quite content eating with the pigs. <laughs> they really seem to like the, the slop and the mud. Lord, what are you going to do? You've cried. You've prayed to the Lord. You've prayed for months. Some of you have prayed for years. And now the Lord starts to answer, and you're thinking, you know what? Uh, I almost liked it better when it was unclear. <laughs> I, I almost liked it better, Lord, when I wasn't sure what you're in. I don't understand the answer. Matter of fact, this answer seems awful. What do we do when you're in a time such as this? Because if you live long enough, give me your eyes, every one of us are going to face times like that. Just live long enough, and I promise you that you're going to face situations. Uh, it's not as neat and clean and tidy as you thought it was supposed to be. What do you do then? I'm happy to report we get some answers today. So locate your bulletin, would you? Because right there we've, we've let this place blank intentionally just for you. It's right here. Okay? So now you can actually jot some notes down, and then if you're not in that place right now, you can refer back because, again, I'll say it, your time is coming, or perhaps you should take some notes because someone you love is in that place right now. Maybe you can help them, be an encouragement to them in their time of need. Here we go. Here's the first answer, verse 1. We mentioned this two weeks ago. I'll say it again. When you're upset and confused with the Lord, verse 1 teaches us just be quiet. Quit talking. <laughs> Stop and listen. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am given to this complaint I've got. What's the answer? Well, I'm just going to be here on this wooden structure, and I'm not moving. I'm just going to be quiet. Habakkuk is confused and angry with God's answer. He stops talking, stops complaining, and he just waits and listens. Write down Psalm 46, verse 10. This is a good verse. Be still. Be quiet. Quit talking. Quit complaining. And just know that I am God. Just wait. And I would, I would just say one more time today, we're not very good at this. We're not very good at just getting quiet and, and shutting off the radio and shutting off the iTunes or Spotify. We're not very good at shutting off the TV and just getting quiet and listening to the Lord. First, first suggestion, first, first thing we learn from Habakkuk, just quit talking and stop and listen. Second thing Habakkuk does that you can learn from, Habakkuk is told to write down what the Lord makes clear. Write it down. What I'm going to say to you is going to be obvious, and you're going to know exactly what I'm saying. Write it down. Verse 2, then the Lord replied, Habakkuk, write down the revelation. Write down what I'm making clear to you and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So the question, obviously, is why would the Lord want Habakkuk or us to write down what he's making clear? Are you ready? Because <laughs> we're not very good at remembering. Okay? Because we tend to forget what the Lord makes clear to us. 
We also have an enemy, Satan, and his demonic legions who are adept. They are experts at stealing the seeds of truth. Satan is very good at getting us overwhelmed and we forget what the Lord has made clear to us. And the Lord is saying, no, no, I want you to remember what I'm making clear. When you write things down, listen close, they're like signposts. It's like dropping an anchor and you can go back and remember what the Lord has said to you. Make sense? And now you have a reference point, you have a signpost to go back and remember later on what the Lord said to you. 27 years ago, Denise and I came to Walloon Lake Community Church. And it was so clear and so obvious what the Lord was doing, I just knew I had to write it down. Here's kind of what happened, just a quick version. Uh, Gary Callio, song leader at the time, uh, showed up in my Sunday school class I was teaching as a youth pastor. Uh, and he says to me, our, our pastor just died. Got any suggestions? Where should we go? What should we do? And I said, Gary, if I was you, there's this guy, and he's in charge of a whole bunch of pastors, and he knows pastors who are ready to move on. Uh, and I gave Gary the number to Andy Hoosman. Call, call Andy. Well, Gary from Walloon waited a few months. He didn't call Andy right away. And a few months later... He calls Andy and says, hey, this is Gary Callio. I talked to Jeff Ellis, and he gave me your number, and our pastor died. Um, got any suggestions? And, and here's what Andy said. Uh, just yesterday, I got Jeff's resume, <laughs> um, and uh, I just was wondering, maybe you'd like it. And here's what Gary said. Why don't you send it to me? And then Gary um, put my resume in Bob Cook's office. Because at the time, Bob was the head of the board, chairman of the search committee, and he just put my resume in Bob's box and didn't say anything. So Bob gets this, this resume, and he says, who is this guy? I, I don't know. I don't know where this came from. And then that Sunday, the person preaching, filling the pulpit, was one of the references on my resume. He says, hey, Kirby, um, I, I don't know where this resume came from, but it's got this name on it, uh, and it's your name. Uh, can you tell me about this, this Jeff Ellis guy? Um, and then the next Sunday, the gentleman coming up, Pastor Buer, was filling the pulpit, and uh, once again, Pastor Buer's name was on my resume. So the first Sunday was Kirby, and then the second uh, Sunday, also on my resume, was Lee Buer. And, and Bob says, uh, you're not going to believe this, but you're the second name on the resume of this resume. I don't know where it came from, but can you tell me uh, about this Jeff Ellis guy? Um, again, um, something only the Lord could work out. Um, so Denise and I talked, and we said, you know what? That's pretty clear, pretty obvious. Uh, we better write this down. So we wrote it out, how the Lord worked all that out. And here's the point. Every time we faced tough times here at Walloon, and yes, we've had our share in 27 years, and Satan is whispering, you shouldn't have come here. 
You don't belong here. It was a mistake for you to come here. And you know he whispers stuff like that, right? And, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I think he, maybe he's right. Maybe we shouldn't have come. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe I never belonged here. here here's what's, what's good. You go back and you read what the Lord has made clear and obvious to you. And you go back and you read it and you go, no, 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 I, I know I belong here. It's a tough time, but the Lord, you've made it clear this is where I belong. And, and I'm so grateful, Lord, we wrote that down. So document it. When the Lord makes stuff clear, write it down. Record it, what the Lord has made clear to you. You're probably going to forget if you're like me. You're going to need to refer back to what the Lord has said clearly. Third thing that Habakkuk does that we can learn from, Habakkuk third is told to keep waiting and watching. Here, here's, here's what I would say to you. God may seem slow, but he's never late. God may seem slow, really, Lord, really, but he's always on time. Verse 3, Habakkuk chapter 2, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> it will certainly come and will not delay. I like how Pastor Craig Rochelle says it. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delay, he may, it might seem like, but that doesn't mean he's saying no. He's just saying, wait, wait. Wait and believe, hold on, wait for it. So some of you right now, you're in the waiting room, aren't you? <laughs> you're in the waiting zone. I don't know if you want to call it the waiting room or the waiting zone, but I won't ask you, but I know some of you are like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Lord, when are you going to answer? You're in that waiting zone. The Lord has promised something, and now you're waiting and you're watching. That's exactly where Habakkuk is right here. Understand, he's waiting. The Babylonians are about to judge his people, but then God says, but now I'm going to judge them. So he's waiting for God to act on what he's made clear. The Lord will in due time, Habakkuk, come through. He's going to do exactly what he's promised, but in the meantime, you're going to have to wait and watch for due time. <laughs> How many of you enjoy waiting and watching? How many of you, that's your strong thing? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Couple thoughts. Moses waited on the backside of the wilderness for the Lord to call him out of the wilderness to lead his chosen people out of Egypt. Anybody know how long Moses waited? How long? Forty years. Forty. <laughs> Joseph, uh, the hated little brother with the fancy coat, remember, got thrown into the pit, got sold into slavery. He's a slave for years in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him, wants to sleep with him. He runs. There's a lie told. Two years he waited in prison for Lord to get him out of prison and to lead the nation of Egypt out of a famine. 
I mean, he needed to be there. Apostle Paul saved powerfully, dramatically, Acts chapter 9. And if you're just reading through the book of Acts, just a few chapters later, Paul's out there on a missionary journey, right? So how long was it Paul gets saved in Damascus before he starts preaching as the Apostle Paul? Just a few chapters, right? Had to be just maybe a few weeks, right? Thirteen years. Thirteen years, Paul powerfully, dramatically gets saved. Most biblical scholars say it's 13 years before the Apostle Paul preached his first sermon as an apostle. I freely admit, waiting and watching is not my strong suit. I suspect it's not many of ours. We're pretty impatient people, aren't we? God's delays are not God's denials. Part of waiting is part of trusting and growing in our relationship with Jesus. He knows what he's doing. He really does. And while we wait and hold on tight, our relationship grows and strengthens with the Lord. Fourth thing that Habakkuk is told that we need to remember Babylon is proud and greedy and the king of the hill, but Babylon is going to get wiped out, Habakkuk. You need to know this, the righteous person lives by faith, okay? The righteous will live by faith. That's the key. While you wait, Habakkuk, know this, maintain that right relationship with the Lord your God. Track with me for a moment. Trust and believe that's how you came into relationship with Jehovah God. You believed. You are declared righteous by trusting and believing and depending on him. Okay, now you're in a bad situation. You don't like it. Are you ready? Verse 4, keep on trusting. Keep on believing. Keep on depending on the God that you've put your faith and your trust in. Where do you get that? Verse 4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires aren't upright. Talking about Babylon. They think they're all that. They're not. The righteous, you're just going to keep on faithfully loving, believing, depending in Jehovah God. Indeed, wine betrays him. Who's him? Babylon. Babylon is arrogant and never at rest. Babylon is greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. Babylon gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. <laughs> what do we do when we're one of the over 200, give me your eyes, over 200 million people in the world right now who are under severe persecution and their crime, I love Jesus and I'm going to follow and obey Jesus. That's your only crime, and you're one of the 200 million people who are suffering for that. What do you do? Are you ready? The righteous are going to keep living. How? going to keep trusting. That's, that's what he's saying to him. What do you do when my loved ones are captured by the Babylonians? That's what's going to happen to Habakkuk. The people he loved, his friends, his family, they're going to be made slaves and concubines, and they're going to be taken out in chains to this strange capital, to this strange land, Babylon. And now 
they're going to live there for the rest of their, they're never coming back. What do you do when you're one of those slaves, ripped away from your family and friends, and now you're a slave or a concubine? What do you do? By the way, like Daniel. That's what happened to Daniel. Are you ready? Here's what you do. The righteous will live by faith. Put it up there, Dan. The righteous will live by faith. That, that's what you do. You keep on leaning and depending and trusting, even when it's painful, even when it hurts, even when you don't understand. And I promise you, Daniel and his friends often didn't understand. Why is this happening? The righteous person, the one rightly related to his God, rightly related to Jesus Christ, you keep on believing and depending and trusting. The fifth thing that the Lord makes clear at Habakkuk um, is he wants to show him exactly what's going to happen to Babylon. It's like he says, okay, let me give you a little peek. I'm going to reveal to you what's coming Babylon's way. And he gives them five woes. Five woe, woe. Got it? It's like, whoa, this is bad. That's the idea here. Whoa, this is, verses 6 to 19, five woes. They think they got it all together. They think they're all that. Uh, they don't think they need Jehovah God. They think they're the boss, the ruler, the controller of the world. The Lord says clearly, um, Habakkuk, <laughs> just take a peek at what's coming their way. And he gives them the five woes. We're just going to go quickly, okay? Woe number one, verses six through eight. They're thieves. They're criminals. They take what doesn't belong to them. They steal. They're murderers. They think they're getting away with it. Just want you to know, Habakkuk, they're not. They're not getting away with it. They think they are, but they're not. Woe number two, verses nine to 11. Just keep looking at it as we go down to, they, they are arrogant and they think they're too big to fail. No people, situations, they think they're too big to fail. We've got these 100-foot high-foot walls. Babylon was noted for their amazing 40 miles of 100-high-foot walls in places. No one can attack us. No one could defeat us because we are the Babylonians. Just write Daniel chapter 5, you can read, because Daniel 5 is coming. That's what he says, verses 9. They think they're too big to fail. Just look at Daniel 5. They're going to fail. Woe number 3, verses 12 to 14. They are a bloodthirsty bully. He says they prey on the weak and the defenseless. People who can't defend themselves, that's who they go after. They love to just rip apart and murder people. They literally murdered millions, historians believe. Millions. Just a quick thought about our country, please. Where in the name of freedom of choice, over 60 million weak and defenseless babies have been ripped apart in the name of inconvenience. And I would quote the late Billy Graham when he said, if God doesn't judge America then he's going to need to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. If God doesn't judge America, then he's going to need to apologize to the Babylonians. 
we, uh, we just say, well, it's just inconvenient. Can't, can't afford this baby right now. Really? <laughs> Woe number four. I'm going to stay on your toes here, okay? Is that okay? Verses 15 and 16. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were notorious for using alcohol as a weapon. They were notorious for using alcohol to get their captives drunk, get their neighbors drunk, and then naked is what it says. Read verses 15 and 16. I'm not making it up. And in their alcoholic stupor, all sorts of sexual immorality and nakedness and and awful stuff is going on. Well, that doesn't apply to us, does it? Okay, we'll just say it, okay? The most damaging and destructive drug in our nation's history, by far. We get all worked up about all sorts of other drugs, but we forget the number one drug caused more divorce, more abuse, more rape, more addictions, more families destroyed, more careers ruined, by far, by a factor of like 10 or 20 is alcohol. And we're thinking, but, but it's legal. And I got my freedom. Yeah, you got your freedom to get addicted. You got your freedom to destroy yourself. Babylon, you're about to be shamed and exposed by your drunkenness. Woe number five, verse 19. Babylon had all these idols. You can read it. All their little G-gods made of wood and stone, covered with silver, covered with gold. Man, they were fancy. And the Lord said, you know what? I'm about to smash their little idols into dust and powder. They're trusting and believing something made of wood and stone and fancied up with silver and gold. Watch what I'm about to do to Babylon's idols. Around 600 B.C., when Habakkuk lived, Babylon was powerful. Give me your eyes. But Babylon was invincible. But you need to understand, 100 years later, Babylon didn't exist. You tracking? They were the king of the hill, and then now 100 years later, they couldn't even find the ruins of its capital city. The hundred high-foot walls, these amazing gardens, they disappeared. That's, that's how much they were destroyed. Waiting is hard, isn't it? It's easy to lose hope and despair. It's tempting to doubt the Lord. Here's what you need to remember. You ready? The righteous, go ahead, will live... By faith. Say it again. The righteous will live by faith. Let's put it in New Testament words, okay? Okay? This is New Testament words saying really the same thing. We walk by faith, not by... I don't have to see it. I don't have to have it all played out because we're people of faith in King Jesus. I don't have to see if We walk by faith and not by sight. So what do we do when God answers our prayers and cries and we don't like what we're seeing? We don't like or understand the plan. I don't like, I don't understand God's answers. What do we do? We walk by 
and not by, that's pretty weak, we walk by, and not by, when our marriage is rocky and it's looking bad and I don't see answers, what do we do? We walk by, and not by, I'm just telling you, you got to get that in your brain. When the doctor says, I got no more answers, it's terminal, nothing I can do, what do we do? We walk by, and not by, when that loved one just hangs on living in wild and sinful foolishness and eating the slop and rolling around in the mud, what do we do? We walk by and not by. That's the answer. You just keep holding on and trusting the Lord. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But I walk and live by faith. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Lord, you told Habakkuk to keep believing and trusting and depending and putting his faith in you even when Habakkuk didn't understand. Even when he didn't like your plan. Lord, I know some of my friends here right now are in similar situations. They're in places they don't like. They don't understand what's going on. And as we close this morning, I just wonder if anybody would say, you know, I, I can identify a lot with Habakkuk because okay? I'm in a place just like that. That's where I don't, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm in that similar situation. Anybody say that's where I am? I'd like to pray for you as we close. Yep. Others of you, that's where I am. I, I get it. I understand. Yep. Anybody else? Not going to ask you to come forward. Not going to make you stand. I just want to pray for you as we close. Anybody in the balcony? That's me. Anybody? Lord, we uh, oftentimes think that our lives are supposed to be neat and tidy and clean. And that's just not reality. So thank you for being there. Would you help us to walk by faith and trust and believe and know that you know what you're doing? Lord, I pray for my friends who uh, need your strength and courage to continue putting their faith in you. Would you help us to persevere and keep on keeping on, depending, relying, trusting in you even in the hard places. We acknowledge, Lord, you've never failed any of us once. You have a plan and a purpose. You know what you're doing. You're not going to start failing us now. Help us to keep on daily walking and staying close to you. I pray for your grace and your mercy in each and every time of need represented here today. We love you. And we're glad that you give us your book. You give us some practical things that you had Habakkuk do. Help us, Lord, to line our lives up with that as well. It's in the mighty and strong name of King Jesus we pray these things.